Hey Church, it's great to have you here with us today. We are about to embark on a brand new series entitled Pray Like Blank. And we're going to spend the next few weeks filling in that blank with different characters from throughout scripture and 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 my hope is that as we go on this journey together as we look at these different uh, situations and stories from within the bible that we will see how these people prayed we will see the circumstances and situations that they found themselves in praying to god and I, and i hope that that will give us a greater understanding of what it is to pray uh, of how we should pray um, of the the power that comes from partnering with our Heavenly Father in prayer. So I hope that as we go throughout these next few weeks that, that maybe we'll hear something that, that shakes up or challenges or, or transforms our prayer life, prayer life as we move in to the next season of our lives. I don't know uh, about you, I don't know if, if you pray, uh, if you pray sometimes, if you pray often, I suspect that there's probably some people here who have only prayed when they found themselves in a in a dire situation and they say, God, help me. And if you help me, then I promise that I will go to church for the next year. And then that thing happens and you find yourself in a situation where you're going to have to go to. I, I don't know what it is, but but I think oftentimes when when we pray, we can treat prayer like this kind of negotiation with God. If you do this for me, then then I'll do this for you. And I hope that as we go on this journey that we'll recognise together that, that prayer is not a negotiation, but prayer is a partnership. Because when we come to our Heavenly Father and we say, this is what's on my heart, that our hearts align because he cares about the things that we care about. And as we seek his kingdom, as we seek uh, him first, that actually what we care about is what he he cares about. So we'll find that there's this synergy, that there's this alignment between our passions and our desires. I believe without a doubt that prayer works. I believe there is power in prayer. I believe there is power in the name of Jesus. So we should absolutely take our, our burdens, we should take our joys, we should take our requests, we should take our lives to God. And we should hope and pray that they can align together so that we can see what God will do when we do life in partnership with him. I think so often we can uh, we can try to work things out on our own, can't we? We can try to make decisions based on what our circumstances look like, about what we feel, about what we think might be best. But the reality is that that prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And, and when we come to God first, we'll hopefully recognise that actually his ways are better than our ways and his plans are better than our plans. So when we're faced with a tough decision and we don't know which way to go, if we invite God into that decision, if we invite him into that conversation, we'll find that incredible things can happen. And when we're trying to solve problems on our own or when we're faced with circumstances and situations that look so dire, instead of striving in our own strength to try and resolve whatever it is, trying to, to make the impossible possible in our own strength, instead we should be seeking God first. We should be seeking him first, inviting him into whatever it is that we're facing and then we really will see the impossible become possible because it's only through the power of Jesus that we can see miracles happen. 
I believe that prayer works. I believe that through prayer we can see miraculous things happening in our lives. So as we go on this journey together, I pray that we'll be inspired, that we will be challenged and that we will transform our prayer lives to become this this partnership with God. So today we're going to begin that journey and we're going to look at pray like Jesus. I don't think there's any better place to, to start on this journey, is there? In Luke 11, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. This disciple said, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? It, I mean, it almost seems like a bit of a dumb question, doesn't it? Can you teach us how to pray? But Jesus obviously didn't think it was a stupid question because he took the time to answer it. He took the time to respond. You know, we might think that, 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 that summarising prayer is just, well, it's just talking to God, isn't it? But if, it, if the answer to that question is simply, well, prayer is just talking to God, then I think Jesus would have just said that. But he didn't. He went into some depth uh, as to what prayer should look like in our lives. He took the time to respond to this disciple's seemingly stupid question. So let's jump over to the Gospel of Matthew and look at his perspective on this conversation. And actually what happens, what we see is that before we even get into the content of our prayers, we need to look at the context in which we pray. In Matthew 6, it says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father sees in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. It says, go into your room and shut the door. What we're talking about here is private prayer. It's one-on-one time. It's just you and Jesus. There's absolutely a time for corporate prayer. There is absolutely a, a, a time for us to gather together, for us to agree in unity uh, about something, whatever that may be. But, but this conversation that we're having today, that we're looking in on in this scripture, isn't about corporate prayer. It's about you and God. It's about me and God. You know, it says that Jesus had a certain place where he prayed. He designated somewhere where he would go to spend time with his father. And he also liked to pray early in the morning. And if you're anything like me, then that probably won't work for you. But he liked to get up early and go to this certain place and spend time just him and his father. And so there's something in this idea of having a certain place and a certain time when we pray. So Ruth likes to take herself off in a morning and she will remove herself from me and the kids and find a quiet spot. She'll get a brew and a Bible and a notepad and some devotionals and all kind of materials. And she'll spend some time, just her and God, in that quiet place. 
as for me, I, I like to pray in the shower. You know, the, the sound of the water drowns out all distractions and, and I can just concentrate. There's no one disturbing me. It's just me and God. I'm literally soaking in God's presence. And, you know, it's good to just find somewhere that works for you. Find a time that works for you to pray. The reality is that, that you know, we can spend lots of time around God watching messages like this or in church services or worship meetings or listening to podcasts or whatever it is. We can spend time around God, but that is absolutely no substitute for spending time with God. You see, what we're talking about here is that one-on-one time. It's that personal me and God time. It's that relationship that we have with God. And the reality is that if we don't make time for God, we won't have time for God. Life is busy. It's hectic, isn't it? And we absolutely need to recognise that and be intentional about our prayer lives. We need to be intentional about when we pray and how we pray and making sure that we create that space, that we make that time to pray, to spend time one-on-one with God. So let's look at the next few verses in Matthew 6 and, and, and these fill me with such, such joy. It says, and when you pray, do not heap on empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Do you hear what this is saying? What I believe this is saying is don't waffle. Cut out the nonsense. Get to the point in your prayer. Do you know, I think what happens often in like prayer meetings is that we feel like we need to pray these grand prayers that make us sound super intelligent because because people are listening. I used to be part of a a church and and there was a lady in there who would organise a 24-hour prayer session. And what that meant was that she would sign people up for one, two, whatever hours and when you signed up, you committed to pray for that time slot, for that hour. You, would, you can either do it at home or you could come into the church and pray for an hour so that in total, the full 24 hours was being filled with someone praying. And so I'd sign myself up for an hour and I'd find that I'd get there and, and I'd start praying and I'd be quick out of the blocks and I'd be praying these incredible prayers, prayers that would make you proud of me. But then what I'd find is that after 10 minutes, I'd be done. I'd run out of words to say. I'd be, I'd just have exhausted everything that I wanted to pray about, everything that I was thinking about beforehand. Well, I've already said it in these first 10 minutes and then I'd find, well, I've got 50 minutes left to to fill. So what am I going to do? And so maybe I'll start praying, you know, these prayers like, oh, oh Lord, you are so awesome. You are so mighty full and majestic and all-powerful and awesome and brill and fab and super and stupendous and I, I imagine that God's just looking down going man you're wasting my time and yours just get to the point just get to the point and when we're praying we're connecting with God when we're praying, we're, we're having a conversation with God. So we just need to be ourselves, don't we? Have you ever been around someone who, 
who when they can be talking to you and, and you know how they speak and then the phone rings and they pick up the phone and they talk in this strange voice and you're like, who who is that person? I, I don't know that person and I don't particularly like that person. Why don't you just talk in the way that we're talking right now? And I think that's what God wants from us. He just wants us to talk in the way that we talk to one another. We should talk to God in the same way. He's not looking for big words. He's not looking for long convoluted prayers. He just wants us to be us. Just be you. That's what he wants. He wants to spend time with you, not this phony you, not this you with a mask or a facade on that makes you look like someone you're not. He just wants to talk with you. So when you pray, just be you. Be authentic in your prayers. So we need to find a place and a time to pray. And then I believe that we don't need to waffle. We don't need to pretend to be someone we're not. We can just be ourselves, be authentic and and get down to the business that we want to do with God, whether that's just telling him how amazing he is or or telling him what's going on in our lives or or crying out for help, whatever it is, just, just get to it, be real, be authentic. So I think that that sets the tone for our prayer lives. And and then what happens is in this passage, Jesus sets out this formula, this plan of how we should pray. It's not a script. I think it's more of a of a guide to give us insight into what our attitude towards prayer should be. And it's called the Lord's Prayer. You know, whether you've never been in church or whether you've been in church all your life, I'm pretty sure that you've heard of the Lord's Prayer, if not said it yourself. You know, I used to I used to say it in assembly at school. We would we would repeat the Lord's Prayer in that monotone voice that only school children can do. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's just this drone. That's what I remember from my school days. And then we used to say the Lord's Prayer in church as well. In fact, on special occasions, we would sing the Lord's Prayer. And Fred would strike up the organ and he would play this tune that got more and more dramatic to this crescendo moment at the end of the song. Good times. Good times. So one of the disciples says to Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? Can you teach us how to pray? So let's look at at that prayer. Let's look at that, that plan that Jesus lays out and those first two words of the prayer. Our Father. Our Father. Right from the top, right from the outset, from the get-go, it's clear that this isn't about religion. It's about relationship. This is a heart conversation that we are encouraged to have with God. We're not speaking to uh, a dictator. We're not speaking to someone who's been keeping a list of everything that we've ever done wrong and we need to pay some kind of penance before we can even approach him. He's our father. This is relationship. He loves us. We are his children. You know, if, if my boys came up to me and they said, Daddy, in that moment, I am there. I am with them. I want to hear what it is that they've got to say because they're my children and I love them. And even if they've just been throwing the biggest tantrum in the middle of a shopping centre and everyone is staring at me thinking, what the heck is this guy doing? 
if in that moment they come to me and say, Daddy, I want to tell you something. Daddy, I want to say something to you. I'm all ears. I'm listening. And if that's how it is with us in our, in our earthly nature, imagine how more attentive our Heavenly Father will be to us when we start our prayers, Our Father. Our Father. It's relational. It's a, it's a conversation with someone who loves us, with someone who's for us. And then it goes on. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's not a word that's heard in everyday speech, but hallowed, it it means regarded as holy. It means revered. It means sacred. It means to be honoured. So what we're doing in this moment is first we're connecting with God on a relational level. We're recognising that he loves us, that he is our father, that we are his children. But then what we're doing is we're honouring him and worshipping in him and recognising that he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords, that we're recognizing and declaring that there is power in his name, that when we pray to him, that when we seek him, that things can happen because he is all powerful. We're declaring his greatness. We're, we're saying out how worthy he is to be praised. And the important thing is that we don't just honor him. We don't just worship him in good times. We worship him and honour him all the time. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. Now those words don't speak into us only praising and worshipping God when times are good. That says that even in the worst of times, I will praise my God. I will praise my Father in heaven. It's good and right to honour him. It's good and right to praise him when we speak with him. Let's just think about that for a moment. God is righteous. He makes us clean. God is our sanctifier. He's called us out. He's set us apart. God is our healer. God is our shepherd. He's he's speaking to us and protecting us and leading us. God is our peace in every storm. God is our provider. He wants to supply all of our needs. God is all of these things and so much more. So when we speak out his name, we're not only worshipping him, but we're reminding ourselves of who he is and how great he is and how awesome he is and, and how much he loves us. So we connect with him on this relational level and then we open ourselves up to recognise that he is worthy of our praise because he is so awesome. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this right here, this section right here, it's telling us that we should pray God's agenda before we pray our own. We should pray God's agenda before we pray our own. So that means that we need to understand and recognise what it is that God cares about. Well, what does God care about? He cares about the lost, first and foremost. He wants to see this world uh, in love with him. He wants to see those who are who are currently condemned to hell restored to life, to a relationship with him for all eternity. That's what he cares about. He cares about the lost. He cares about the least. He cares about the poor, the homeless, the hungry. He cares about those who are being oppressed. 
These are the things that God cares about. So what we should be doing when we pray is that we should be praying his agenda above our own. This is speaking into a, a living, a surrendered life where we submit our will to God. We say, instead of focusing on me, I'm going to focus on you. What we're saying is actually, I'll focus on you, God, because I know that you'll focus on me. Let me care about the things that you care about because I know that you care about me. So instead of praying a selfish agenda, instead we can be praying this selfless, surrendered agenda that says, God, your will be done. Your will be done. And when we grasp hold of the truth and the importance of that, no longer do we need to be praying, God, give me this. God, help me in that. God, I want this. God, I need that. We started the prayer recognising that he is our father. So of course he wants to provide for us. Of course he wants to bless us. Of course he wants to love on us in that way because he is our father. We're in relationship with him. So instead of coming to him and, and asking for those things first and foremost, let's put those things aside and instead focus on what matters to God. Because we should be putting him first. We should be putting him way above ourselves and trusting and believing that he will care for us. Your will be done, not mine. Because God's will is perfect, isn't it? So that's why we can easily pray, your will be done, not mine. I want to challenge you today. If, if God answered every single one of your prayers from, from this past week, would the world have changed or just your life? It makes you think, doesn't it? Because I think all of us have been guilty if we pray to have prayed selfishly at one time or another. That, that without a doubt, we've probably gone to God saying, let me, with this shopping list of things, what I need right now is this and that and this and that, without a second thought of what my neighbour wants what the person down the road wants, what other people in my community or this nation or this world need right now. Well, for me, the priority is this, this and this. So I'm going to bring those things to God. But he wants us to pray his agenda first. Your will be done. What do you care about, God? Let me look where you're moving. Let me look where you're working and let me partner with you in that. You know, as we draw close to God, I firmly believe that as we pursue his heart, that our lives and his life become in parallel, that they begin to line up and then that will lead to a prayer life that reflects God. Because when we're partnering with him and when we're aligned with him, that no more will we be praying out of a selfish nature. We'll begin to pray out of this selfless desire to want to see God's kingdom come here on earth. That we will want to see our community changed and transformed for God's kingdom. Because we, we know what God wants. We know what God cares for. And that is the lost and the least and the oppressed. And then Jesus goes on, doesn't he? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. 
And the context of, uh, context of this is essentially the, the 40 years that the Israelites found themselves wandering in the wilderness before they entered the promised land. Because when they went into this journey to find the promised land, they, they found themselves lost and wandering aimlessly in the wilderness. And, and for 40 years... You know, what they went on this journey with in the first place, the provisions, the food, the clothes, whatever it was that they entered with, they absolutely wouldn't have survived and lasted the length of time that they spent on this journey. So what they found is that actually they needed to rely and trust on God. And did he leave them to struggle on their own? Did he, did he let them waste away? Did he let them starve and go hungry? Absolutely not. What we see through this story is that each day God provided manna from heaven. He provided this sustenance, this food that would, would keep them well, that would give them the energy to continue on this journey. And the instructions that came from heaven were that you were to gather up each day enough food, enough provision, enough of this manna to serve you and your family for that day and then to leave the rest. So is that what the Israelites did? Is that the, the, the life that they led? Oh, absolutely not. What they did was they, they saw this manna, this abundance of, of provision on the floor. And so they gathered up enough for themselves and for, for their family. And then they thought, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll just gather a little bit more just in case. Just in case what? Just in case God doesn't come through tomorrow? So they gathered up more than they needed. But then they went to sleep and they woke up the next day and what did they find? That the leftovers, that the extra that they'd collected had gone rotten, it had been spoiled. They had to throw it away because God was teaching them. They were, he was teaching them that, that we need to rely on him for our daily bread. That not that he'll, he'll provide us with everything at once, but that each day there are new blessings. Each day there is fresh provision. These verses are encouraging us to trust God daily, not to get a, a dose of blessings uh, one day that it will see us through for the next few days or weeks or whatever. We are to trust God daily. You know, I believe that we can't live off yesterday's blessings. We can't live off the, the good old days or that conference we went to last year or, or that spiritual, supernatural moment that we had in 1999. We need to ask God for fresh provision, for fresh blessings, for fresh revelation of who he is each and every day. Because that's what he says he will do. He doesn't say, I'm just going to do this once and then leave you to it and see how you get on. He says, each day I will bless you. Each day I will provide for you. Each day I will reveal myself to you. We need to approach him every day. We need to approach his throne every day and recognize that his goodness and his faithfulness are new every morning. So let's, let's look to God for something fresh today. What is it that he's saying to you today? What is it that he wants to change in you today? What is it that he wants to bless you with today? Let's seek him for something fresh. You know, our God is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. He's not going to leave you high and dry. He's not going to see you struggle because he wants the best for you. He is your father. He loves you. 
He's for you. He's greater than any earthly father could ever live out. He is our heavenly father and he wants to bless you and to provide for you. Throughout scripture, we, we're told that God wants to supply all of our needs and he wants, to, he wants us to come to him with our problems, with our needs, with our desires and trust him to provide, to trust him in everything. So whether that's a parking space at the supermarket or a new job or physical healing or a straight up miracle, talk to God. Seek him, ask him, take it to him. God is not too big for our smallest request and he's not too small for our biggest request. So whatever it is, take it to God in prayer. Because, I mean, I believe that God is the God of the impossible. We sing it in church, we, we hear it spoken out. God is the God of the impossible. The, re, the reality is that the Israelites wouldn't have survived those 40 years in the wilderness on their own. You know, they would have grown hungry, their clothes would have worn out, they would have died in the wilderness. But God, but God, he provided for them. He blessed them, he took care of them, he was with them every step of the journey. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So let's move on on this Lord's Prayer. It says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. This is all about grace. It's all about grace. Grace in and grace out. God, forgive me. What a great prayer to pray. We all need forgiveness. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short of the, the standard that God sets for us. So that great prayer to pray is, God, forgive me. Let me help someone today. Stop beating yourself up. Stop feeling bad about messing up. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. It's not just you. Whatever it is that you've messed up in, whatever it is that you're feeling bad about, someone else has been there. Someone else has done it, probably even today. So stop beating yourself up and just, uh, you know, don't take the weight of these struggles and this guilt on your shoulders. Instead, take it to God. Don't leave it on your shoulders. Place it at the foot of the cross because he offers complete forgiveness. He offers it freely and we can receive it anytime we want. We can receive his forgiveness anytime we want. So pray that prayer. God, forgive me. Then pick yourself up and get on. Don't wallow in it. Don't feel like you have to have a period of, of mourning, or of sacrifice, of repentance that lasts longer than a moment. Because as soon as you pray that prayer, God, forgive me. It's done. He's forgiven you. Move on. We don't need to dwell on it because he is not dwelling on it. When we ask God to forgive us, he forgives us. Because we're more than conquerors. Because nothing can stand against us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely nothing. There is nothing that any one of us has done that will stop God from loving us. There is nothing you can do that will make God love you any less than he already does. He loves us all equally, 
abundantly. He loves you. Someone needs to hear that today. And in the same way that God forgives us, grace in, we need to forgive others, grace out. We need to receive that grace from God and we need to let that flow out through our lives to those who have hurt us, those who have damaged us, who have done wrong by us. We need to release ourselves from the weight of unforgiveness and pour out that grace that we have received so freely from our Heavenly Father onto those around us who have upset us, who have hurt us, who have done us wrong. We forgive because Christ first forgave us. We forgive because he first forgave us. And then it goes on, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, as we pray, what Jesus is outlining to us in this this structure of our prayer is that as we pray, we need to take a stance against the enemy. We are at war. You might not see it, but we are at war. The scriptures say, for we are fighting against not against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in an unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly, in the heavenly places. We need to ready ourselves. We need to seek God's help. We need to plant ourselves firmly on the rock and the truth that is Jesus Christ. And from that firm foundation, we can replace every lie from the enemy with the truth of our Heavenly Father. You see, the enemy speaks lies into your life, into my life. You're not worthy. You're useless. You've messed up. Look at what you've done. How can anyone ever love you? You're not good enough. These are lies from the enemy that creep into our ears so easily and take root within our souls. But what we need to do is stand firm on the promises of God and say, no, this is not the truth. That is a lie. And we replace it with the truth that comes from God where he says, I love you. I'm for you. You can do all things in me. You are worthy. You are good enough. I have got a plan and a purpose for your life. There is power in the name of Jesus. He is above any situation. He's above anything that will come against us that we can face and he can and will make the impossible possible. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Authority, might and victory all flow from the Father and it is in his name that we pray, his mighty, his powerful name, the authority that comes from heaven, not from within us, that we can pray and we can believe and we can stand firm knowing that when we pray, that when we pray, God listens, God hears us, God responds to us. So let's let's find a place, let's make time to be with God, one-on-one, creator created, Father and Son. Let's connect with him on a relational level. Let's partner with him in that sense. Let's understand that he wants the best for us. He is for us. Let's recognize his power. Let's recognize his might and his faithfulness. Let's pray his agenda above our own. As we pursue his heart, let the two hearts align. And so our will becomes his will and his will becomes our will and we become in 
perfect harmony as we pray and reach out to him. Let's pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let's come to him with a surrendered heart, with a, a heart that believes and knows that he is our provider and that, that no, there's nothing that he wouldn't do for us. So we stand there maybe with arms open in surrender and say, your will be done. You are my provider. You have got me. You are for me. And let's accept his grace. Let's accept his forgiveness and in turn pour out our grace and our forgiveness onto those around us and then pray for strength pray for strength to to face this journey to go on this journey that we're all on he never said it would be easy he just said follow me but when we trust in him when we rely on him when we keep our eyes fixed on him we can be confident that he is journeying with us that he is with us every single step why don't we pray Father God, we thank you for your example. We thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you for the power that is in your name, the name of Jesus. And so we declare your faithfulness. We proclaim your goodness and your might. We thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega, that you created the heavens and the earth, that you are far beyond anything that we could ever grasp or imagine. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your provision. And I pray that we will trust in you completely. That we won't feel the need to to pray through our own shopping list, our own agenda, but that we will pray first and foremost that your will be done. That your will be done. So we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your blessings in our lives. I pray that we will accept that we are in relationship with you. That we are not doing anything but speaking to someone who loves us that someone is for us and we pray now for forgiveness for all of those times that we've slipped up messed up made mistakes fallen short and we thank you for the grace that comes from your sacrifice on the cross and when you conquered death you wiped all of that stuff clean from now until the end of time you rebuilt that relationship that we can have with you so that when we ask for your forgiveness in our lives, that we can once again speak to you in this way. We thank you for the privilege of being able to speak to you directly, that we don't need to go through any ritual or any motion, but that we can just be ourselves. We can be authentic and we can just pray and talk with you. So we thank you for that privilege in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.